tonight's talk, I kind of gave you this idea because what I believe is, listen to me for just a moment, what I believe is, is that many of us, I love our young adult community because a lot of us are new in the Lord. Amen. Anybody, but not by a show of hands, how many guys can you make some noise? If you've been serving God for less than a year, serving God, I mean like loving him, knowing him, living for him less than a year, make some noise. Less than a year. Amazing. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of us that come. Here's the thing. A lot of us, sometimes we look at the church, we look at the things of God, and, and there's this question that comes up. There's this question, right? And this question pops up when you need to choose God or something else. There's a question that rises up in you. There's a, a pressure. I call it good tension within a Christian. There's the defining moments where you got to make a decision. Is it this thing? Is it this idea? Is it this whatever? Or is it God? And that tension really matures believers. That reality of a question of what is most important in my life, that's an important question we need to answer not in 20 years, not when we're married, not when we have the dream job. We need to answer that question right now. How many of you guys agree with me? Kind of how does God see me? Who is he? What, is he? what does he expect of me? These questions. Also, listen to me. The enemy wants to tell you you do not have passion. The enemy wants to tell you you'll come to church, you'll try to fit in, you'll try to, you'll try to, you know, change your ideas, you'll try to be a different person, but you know who you really are. You know who you used to be. You can't actually love Jesus like you love that drug. You can't actually love Jesus like you love girls. You can't actually have a passion for the Bible like you do a passion for coloring. That was for someone in here who likes to color. You can't, you can't do it. You can't, you can't, can't, can't. Your passion isn't for God. Your passion is for other things, right? Can I tell you tonight, the title of tonight's message, man, it's for you. You have passion. You have passion. Somebody say, say it in like first person. I have passion. passion. Can you say it like you mean it? I I have passion. Oh my God, what gets you excited? Is it sports teams? If I get you, if I put you in your favorite sports teams in the middle of the playoffs, how are you going to react? Are you going to be kind of timid? Are you going to be kind of to yourself? Are you going to kind of hold all of your emotions together? Kind of bottle it all in? Or kind of be super expressive? Let's go Lakers, you know what I'm saying? Let's go Lakers. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Give me one of these, right? Remove, listen, remove the Lakers. Right? Remove the never. That's a man of God. That's a man of God. <laughs> remove the Lakers. Does your passion is it removed? If I remove the Lakers, is your passion removed? What are you passionate of? Some of you guys are passionate for, for, for makeup. Any ladies passionate for makeup? She said, what? Y'all know y'all lying. <laughs> Hold up. You have a passion for makeup. Remove the makeup. Did your passion go missing? Or do you still have passion? Some of you guys have a passion for writing. If, if pens were never created, would your passion disappear? Or would you just take that passion and maneuver it or tuck it in a new way? Some of you guys are passionate about your job. 
Anybody passionate about their job? Really love their job? Really believe in their job? Kind of to the... A lot of you guys are like, no. <laughs> no. Not this guy. That's my prayer request. You know what I'm saying? All right. But if you do love your job, for those of you that are passionate for your jobs, for those of you that believe in your jobs, you got a passion. Man, I'm going to clock in on time. Not a minute late. I'm going to get on time. I'm going to be the best employee I can be today. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to give the best. That passion for your job, remove the workforce, does that passion disappear? Or did you just figure out how to use it? Remove the things you're passionate for. That doesn't remove your passion. That just removes the area that you expressed your passion. Come on, you have passion. There is a worshiper inside of you. There is a person that loves the Bible. It's inside of you. God spoke you into existence. His words, come on, it's the Bible. There's a passion for it. And a lot of us, listen to me, a lot of us, are, we're discouraged because our passion for worldly things sometimes strengthens and, and sons our passion for God. Listen, there's ways to work on your passion for God. There's ways to work and study and organize and make certain shifts. Why am I yelling so much? Because I'm passionate. If you remove preaching from my life, I'll be passionate. I think about basketball and fashion and music. Remove all those things. Does it mean that my passion just disappears? I'm just going to be the, the loneliest person. No, I'm going to find something to be passionate for. And Christians like to judge the world just because they found a new way to maneuver their passion. Christians judge the world and we, we point at them and we say, oh, they're so into sin. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the world that they were in, that you were in. Hello. Come on. You've been saved too. That's the world they're in. But what if it's just passion being used in the wrong way? I see some people on Instagram, some young adults, they post a lot. And I see spiritual, and I see, like, all these fun spiritual words. None of it have anything to do with Jesus. None of it have anything to do with the living God. But they're just so passionate about it. And instead of me pointing people and, and, and kind of, oh, look at you, believing in this, believing in that, I got to point out the passion in people and say God can use that passion to actually make a difference in your world. God can use your passion. So stop doubting that you're not the worshiper that you want to be. Listen, you have passion. It's inside of you. Stop doubting your love for God because your church attendance isn't where you want it to be. Listen, you have passion. You just got to maneuver in the right way. Listen, some of you guys are going to hear this message. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Can I get Pentecostal right here? Is that cool? Some of you guys are going to hear tonight's message and say, I got to make a change in where I'm distributing my passion. Because if God matters the most, my passion should go to him the most. My time should go to him the most. My attention should go to him the most. My money, my focus, my love. If God's really everything that matters, then my passion needs to be directed to God. But all of you know this. My next idea, passion is a gift that can be used incorrectly. Give a baby an iPad. Give a one-year-old an iPad. They will not be able to use that iPad like I can. If you're thinking about giving a toddler an iPad, give it to me for Christmas. They're going to break it and play like three apps. Why would you buy a kid an iPad? 
he's not the right maturity to know how to use it to his fullest potential. Oh, because it makes him happy. Oh, because it makes him happy. Listen, passion can be used incorrectly. You can have it. The enemy wants to present things in front of you so that you could bite on it and make that the center of your life and make this the center of your life. Some of you guys are really good workers. You're just not a worker of the Lord yet. <laughs> so you kind of like this person and you're sprinkling Jesus on your life. No, make Jesus the center and everything else will be taken care of. It's like don't switch the order. Passion is a gift that can be used incorrectly. Whenever you see someone in the world super passionate about sin, super passionate about something that's other than God, super passionate about something that even disturbs you a little bit, I hope you're inspired by their passion to say, man, there's pa God can do something with that passion. God can do something with that person. I was watching a concert. Travis Scott. I love Travis Scott. He's on this concert. And he's jumping and he's going crazy. And can I tell you, out of nowhere, I thought to myself, I was like, there's a preacher inside of him. And he doesn't even know it. The way he, the way he was controlling that stage, oh, my God. Like, if y'all haven't seen this dude live, he takes it over. And he's so passionate. And he's, I mean, people are gathering. Thousands of people are gathering. No one's leaving, like, with their heads better. No one's leaving those gatherings, like, with hope in their heart. No one's leaving these gatherings with, like, Jesus on their mind and, 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 and everything. No one's really leaving better. But people are gathering to watch one man have passion for something. And I thought to myself, I said, man, I'm not going to judge that guy because he's so passionate about something that probably makes people feel weird. I'm going to look at this man. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to intercede for him. And that may feel weird to you because some of us only pray for people we know. Some of us only pray for people we get into contact with. I want you to start praying for people you don't know. Pray for people you hate. Pray for your enemies. Pray for the people you don't want to talk to. Pray for the people you have at the back of your list. Pray for them. Don't judge them. Don't cast them aside. Listen, they have passion. God can use it. He can use it. You have passion. You guys at 2 Timothy? Man, that was my introduction. I'm playing. All Pentecostal churches everywhere, right? That was my intro. 2 Timothy 4, 3, 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Sound teaching means what? What does that mean? Sound teaching. And why aren't people enduring it? What this is in reference to is the word of God teaching of the gospel there will be a day there will be a moment where people will sit and they won't be able to endure the gospel they won't be able to hear the message they won't be able to take the the, the, the grace of God and, and 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 process it in their minds in their hearts they're going to hear about Jesus hear about the gospel and reject it let's keep reading but having itching ears so they, they don't like sound teaching they have itchy ears that's just the, it's just an analogy. They don't literally walk around scratching their ears, right? No, it's, a, it's an analogy to what's going on in the spiritual, where God's trying to tell you something you need, but you don't think you need it. You want to hear what you want to hear, but not what you need to hear. So when God's trying to speak to you, and can I tell you, there have been some church folk, can I be real, that they be going through hell and back, and there be some Sundays 
that I'll be in church. And I'm like, man, if only this leader will stop being on their phone and pay attention to the message because I know what they're going through. And this message is exactly what they need to hear. This message is almost like God knows your situation. He stepped down into Pastor Gabby's notes, rearranged them to give you exactly what you needed, but you were so focused on other things that you missed it. So many leaders I've seen going through the worst moments. I'm like, if you only went to church that Sunday, if you only went to church that Tuesday, God had a word just for you. And, and sometimes, if we're not careful, we can only listen to things that we want to hear, but not things that we need to hear. And in this verse, it's exposing the fact that people will not be able to endure sound teaching. They'll have itchy ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So they don't want to hear the truth so bad. They, they're just going off in their own ideologies, their own beliefs, their own new way, right, of how we want to be reached and how we think it's supposed to happen. No! <laughs> you have a church. You have the body of Christ. There's order. There, there, there's, there's this thing about the church. I can't let you know. There's this thing about the church that even though you hear something that doesn't necessarily make you feel better, can I tell you, if you were able to just receive it in your heart, even though it doesn't feel good, I promise it's working to make you better. It's working to, to literally change you from the inside out. Since when was growth ever a pain-free process? Since when was growth ever a problem-free process? And if we were just so careful, if we really just looked at Jesus and took church to a whole different degree, where we say, God, my passion is in this, and my life is in this. And I'm giving myself to something bigger than me. And I'm finding full passion. I'm finding purpose. I'm finding love. I'm finding a family and a place that I never thought I would, only because... I took my passion and I poured into the right place. Some of you guys have been pouring passion into the wrong people, into the wrong places, into the wrong organizations, and you're leaving more empty, and you're leaving more stressed, and you're leaving with less, with more bitterness, and, and it's enough is enough. Let's pour ourselves into the church. Let's pour ourselves into Jesus. Let's take our passion and say, I'm not going to just use it for whatever I feel like using it to. I'm going to use my passion for what I need to use it for. I'm going to give it to God. Amen? Here's one of my next ideas. Your passion for things must surrender to your passion for Jesus. Your passion for things must surrender to your passion for Jesus. As much as we try not to make it this thing or Jesus, it really is kind of like that. As much as we try to make everything so much of like, oh, my God, God just wants me to just live free and do whatever I feel and go to an off-away country and go find myself, right? That's God's plan for me. It's to go with the pilgrims and live in mountains and find my sexuality and find my purpose in the wind and in the stars and look to people for my vision. No, 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 no. We're called to be into the hands of God, in his church, and his embrace. Don't walk away, but hold on to God with fear and trembling. Your passion must surrender to the passion you have for God. Your passion must surrender to the passion you have for God. You guys still with me? 
I got a question tonight. How do I surrender my passion? How do I surrender my passion? How do I take the passion that I've been using in so many different areas and so many different just realms, how do I take it and actually use it for God? How do I do it? Number one, you need to start asking God correctly. You guys here tonight? You got to start asking God correctly. God, I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to ask you not what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. James 4.3 says this, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly, watch this, to spend it on your own passions. So God, help me, help me for my life. God's like, I'm going to only help you to build you, to build my church, to build you in your purpose. But God, I want to use your blessings for my will. God says, I'm going to use my blessings for my will. I'm going to use my blessings and what I have for you, I'm going to use it for my glory, not for your glory. And some of us are asking for things that God won't let happen because if he gives it to you, those things will come into combat with him. Those things, those, those things that he blesses you with, if you're not careful, if it's out of the right time, those things will become in combat with God. Example, God, give me a girlfriend. He gives you a girlfriend. Now you worship your girlfriend. And you used to pray to God. Now you just pray to your girlfriend. Something good that could be amazing, handled incorrectly, used in the wrong way, could lead to destruction. We got to start asking God correctly. God, I don't want to just make a prayer for me to feel good. God, I want to make a prayer for you to feel good. I want my prayers, God, to sound like, like a sweet sound to your ears. God, I want my worship. God, I want my worship to sound sweet to your ears. I want my worship to, to come straight. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. I want to give you everything I have. I want my prayer life, God, to be less about me and more about the people around me. God, I don't want to treat you like some type of fairly godparent. If I put enough luck in, if I put enough serving in, if I punch in enough church times I came in, I'm going to get everything I want. I'm going to get all the money I want. My bank account's bigger. My, my followers are all the way up. Hello. Turn up. You already know what it is. Life's going great just because I found Jesus. Listen, just because life doesn't get great doesn't mean God's not great. And just because everything in your life isn't going amazing, that doesn't mean God's not working. He's working on you. He just needs to shift what you have passion for. You're praying to God to, to kind of make your earthly passions better. God's trying to grow your spiritual passion, your passion for him. Start asking God correctly. God, what do I need to hear? You know, it's a great, a great prayer before every sermon you hear. God, speak to me that I may hear what you have to say. Speak to me. Not to my neighbor. You can speak to my neighbor. But God, I need to hear from you. Because I'm so passionate. You see that? I'm so passionate for you. I can't go a moment without knowing what you want from me. I can't go another day knowing that we're connecting. You got to start asking God correctly. Number two, how do I surrender my passion to God? Submit your mind to God. Submit your mind. Physically, you can't chop your head off and mail it to heaven. Can't do that. Right? So what is, what is he talking about? Spiritually speaking, submit your mind. God, I'm going to set my mind on things above. I'm going, to, I'm going to take my mind, which can sometimes be a battlefield. I'm going to take my mind and I'm going to cast it 
into the hands of God. I'm going to say, God, this is your head. These are your thoughts. This is your mind. God, lead me. Give me the right passions. Lead me in a new direction. Some of us, we have to start praying for our minds that God may keep our mind clear. And listen to me. Do not be discouraged when you begin to hear voices that are speaking negativity to you. Maybe your own voice may even be the voice of the enemy, giving you negativity in life, telling you to quit, telling you to stop, telling you to give up. Listen, you think that growing in God, those voices go away. They don't go away. You just have to learn how to fix your eyes and your attention on a better word. Those words are always going to be there. Listen, you're always going to have a hater. You're always going to have a debater. I don't know what rhymes with that. But you're always going to have someone that is out to get you. Protect yourself. Protect your mind. Protect what God, you're thinking. Listen, your, your thoughts lead to habits. Your habits lead to a lifestyle. You can change your lifestyle if you start having the right thoughts. Submit your mind to God. Every morning, what are you thinking of? About opening your cell phone or opening the word of God? We have to make that jump. You wonder why there's so much just going on in your head. You're pouring so much into your head. Information overload, if you know what I mean, right? It's just so much. I've got to scroll and scroll. I've got to look and read and read and look and look. Take a moment in your day to set your mind on things above, to submit your mind to God. I'm not just thinking of God on Tuesdays and Sundays. I'm thinking of God every single day. I'm going to submit my mind to God. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. This reason God gave them up to their dishonorable passions. Now, in this verse, it's talking, uh, it's talking a lot about a people group. That were so into their own passions, God gives them up to their passions. He gives them up. For the woman exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. I'm reading Romans chapter 1, verses 26, 27. And then men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts of men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Listen, what Paul's writing about right here, he's showing you kind of what's going on in this land, that God's about to do something, and understand that God's action is based on where the people are putting their passion. God's operation is only based on where the people are placing their passion. And God's calling you right in here, right now. Listen, some of you guys got to start submitting your mind to God. I know you have lonely thoughts, but don't be alone in your lonely thoughts. Begin to believe the word of God in your life. Speak life. Think on good things. Think on the presence of God. Think on the grace of God. Think on how he loves you. Think on how he saved you. Think on how he's delivered you. Man, let's wake up. Let's wake up. Watch this. Ready? Let's wake up on altar mode. Wake up. Say, God, I I, want to be at the altar of your throne. God, I want to pray this morning. Not like you're light years away, but like you're right in front of me. And this passion, God, will grow every single day. Every single day. you got to submit your mind to God. Now, when Paul, in this verse, he's writing, God gave them up to their dishonorable passions. The, world, the word passions means pathos. It's translated to this very, this very definition. I'm going to throw it on the screen. Pathos. It's, it's an affliction of the mind, emotions, and a feeling which the mind suffers. I'll say that again. It's, it's an affliction of the mind, emotions, and a feeling which the mind suffers. 
there's an affliction, there's a battle, there's, there's, like, there's like good thoughts going on, and there's like bad thoughts, and there's like kind of like chaos going in your mind. Some of you guys, that happens during worship. I remember when I first started taking God seriously, worship would be a battlefield in my head. Because like if I lift one hand, then I'm like kind of like half in, right? If I lift two hands, I'm about to dive into like an imaginary pool, so I don't know what to do without looking awkward in front of people. You guys with me? And you get to pitch like the worship frisbees, right? Anybody? And then, you know, you get the, like the nice little swear. Anybody? I was a person, I was, so, I was so like focused on how I looked during worship when I really got into worship. I was so focused. I would have a thousand like thoughts a minute. A mi- I'm telling you, how does this look? How do I look? How do I sound? What do they think about me? Can I tell you the best worship experience is when you're not focused on yourself and you're focused on God. And you're saying, this moment is not about me. It's not about what I'm feeling. It's not about what I know. It's about God. It's about him receiving my worship. It's about him receiving. It's a, there's a battle. For, listen, don't walk away from church because there's a battle going on in your mind. We're all battling. We're all struggling. We all got this flesh that wants to do things that the Bible says is evil. We all have that. Listen, man up. Woman up. Fight the good fight. Come on, can we do it together? Can we do it together? I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to do it because I know he has passion for God. And she has passion. And he has passion. And when we join together, man, passion can rub off sometimes, can it? Man, worship can rub off sometimes, can it? That's why we're starting small groups. That's why we're starting hope groups. If you haven't signed up, make sure you sign up tonight. Why are we doing hope groups? Why? Because the Bible says to disciple. Jesus gave us a commandment. Go into the world, disciple. Disciple. Build, build this body. What are we doing in hope groups? We're building the body. We're rubbing off passion. I'm, I'm, I'm rubbing off creative ideas. I'm rubbing off my story, my testimony. I'm rubbing off what God's doing in my life. Man, if, and if you hear what God's doing in my life, that builds up faith that he could do something in your life too. And, and we're in groups and we're gathering. And, man, the passion is just rubbing off on one another. Here's what I believe. Some of you guys aren't serving, right? Here's what I believe in groups. You're going to be in groups full of people who are serving. And you're going to see how God is blessing them, how God is giving them fulfillment, how God is giving them new passions and new desires. And you're going to be in a group and you say, you know what? I'm inspired by the passion that these people have for Jesus. I'm going to get plugged in and I'm going to get serving. Uh, you're going to see in groups people who are financially given to the church. And it's not that they're winning the lottery every week. No, no, no. But God's making the 90% last longer with him and his blessing and his covering. And you're going to be in a group and you're going to say, I'm going to start giving because I see the passion that God has for these people and that these people have for the church. Some of you guys are going to be in groups. And you're going to see people open the Bible and look into the Bible, not like this old dusty book that has some good stuff, but most of it's like weird and it came from nowhere. No, you're going to see people look into the book with their eyes open like, oh, my God, God is speaking to me right here, right now in this coffee shop. Take Jesus outside the four walls. That's what we're doing with groups. It's taking Jesus outside. We're not just Christians in church. We're Christians outside of church. Listen to me. This is a season in your life to catch a passion. You have it. You know you got it. You're using it somewhere. It's going somewhere. 
You have it. Here's a question. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to waste it? Can I tell you, you're young now. You run the fastest you'll ever run now. Let's flip that on his head. You'll pray the longest, the most right now. My dad has marks on his knees. Him and his friends used to say, hey, how long can we pray today? How long can we pray today? My uncle was this close to dropping off high school because he wanted to pray all day. Extreme, yes, but I see the passion. <laughs> so I'm not telling you to do. Say, man, catch a passion. Catch a passion. Get inspired that people are falling in love with Jesus every day. That should, that should, that should do something in you. What is God doing in their life? How's God speaking to that person? Man, because I want that. I want that. Because I have, listen to me, I have this passion. I just have it in the wrong place. What would the next two months of 2018 look like if you gave God all your passion? We got two months left. How can you close this year off? You're young now. Listen, you're young now. Your, your, your muscles are the biggest now. Your mind is the most creative now. Listen to me, listen to me. Like our worship team, right? We're not going to wait till we're 80 to start writing music. No, I'm going to write music in my most creative state ever, my youth. I'm going to write music now. You think God wants you when you're broke, busted, old, and disgusted? <laughs> think God wants you then? He does. He does. But that's a little disrespectful to look at the God of the universe and say, I'll serve you in 40 years. I'll serve you when I'm older. I'll serve you when I run a little slower. You see, now you're young. So now we can pray. Like if we did a Tuesday night prayer service, that sounds crazy. We should do that. If we did a Tuesday night prayer service, you'll pray the hardest you ever prayed in your life. And then when you're 90, you're going to think back, man, when I was 23, I was at a prayer night, and I prayed till my wig fell off. Like, you got the craziest stories, right? <laughs> Man, there was one time I preached so hard, my shirt fell off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what? How did that even happen? How does that, I don't even know how that even happens. Right? It's like those stories, those stories happen when you talk about your younger years, when you talk about when you had the most strength. And, the, the, you know, you were just so young and you were just so passionate. Oh, I was so passionate when I was a young person. Oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. No, that's not my life. My life is this. I'm going to be 80 and I'm going to look back at my 20-year-old years and I'm going to be like, I was in church and I was building the church and I gave my life for other people. And every week I saw hands go up for people to be saved every single week. I'm going to be on my deathbed and I'm going to go to heaven one day and God's going to say, come here, old raggedy servant. No, good and faithful servant. Welcome to this kingdom. You've been faithful. Not when you're old, but when you're young. You look your best now. You run your fastest now. You have the most hormones right now. You should be scared. Because your hormones are running away from you. Little by little. Your sex drive is not as strong as it is when you're 90 than when you're 20. Man, can I tell you? We're living our best lives, amen? Man, let's give our passion to God.
Let's give our passion back to him. That drive you have, God gave you that drive for his glory. And if you're using in any other avenue, he will humble you. Isn't that scary? When God decides to humble you because you've chosen something else to worship. Because you've chosen something else to pour yourself into. Because you've chosen something else. Anything you raise up to combat God, he will break it down to humble you. Anything you raise up against God, he'll, he'll break it down and humble you. If it's your job, my job is the best thing in the world. My job is all I'm living for. And it's not Jesus. He will, he will cause something to happen. Not saying he's out to get you. But God allows things to show you what really matters. God let his people be in, in, in the wilderness. God lets his people go through moments of dry seasons. And he lets people go. He allows them to go through suffering and pain and different things. Why? Not to be the God that's like, oh, my God, now you decide to bless me. No. But to be the type of God that says in the middle of it all you still love me and I'm only going through this it's conforming me and it's shaping me and every transgression is shaping me and every single thing I go through that's giving me pain and struggle and all these thoughts they're only shaping me into the image of Jesus only shaping me number three how do I how do I surrender my passion crucify your flesh Number three, crucify your flesh. Galatians 5, 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with, here goes the P word, with its passions and desires. In other words, when you belong to God, those desires and those passions, you got to nail them to the cross. You got to take that passion. First, you got to recognize it. I have a passion for something that is evil. I have a passion for something that can potentially kill me. The first step in growth is honesty. Talk about where your passions are going. Talk about where you're running. That's literally an empty well. I was talking with a young adult yesterday. Sorry, last Tuesday. And I was sitting and talking, sitting and talking. I was like, so what do you need to do? What do you need to do? And that person was like, oh, I, can't need, I need to do this, this, and this. And then I said, listen, we started the meeting. You told me you don't know what to do. At the end of the meeting, I asked you, what do you need to do? And you told me what you need to do. Listen, you know what you need to do. You know the passions and desires that belong to the flesh. You know it. Right now, the Holy Spirit's convicted. He's showing you where you need to make some adjustments. Tonight, some passion, just arrangements and movements. He's showing you. He's revealing it to you. Why? Because we, we listen, this isn't for anyone. This is for those who just belong to Jesus. You guys with me? Those who belong will crucify the flesh. Those who say, God, I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going I'm to hold on with fear and trembling. I'm not going to go away from you. I'm not going to go away from the church. I believe in this, and I'm going to surrender, and I belong to Jesus. Man, those fleshly desires and passions need to die with us. Amen? Amen?